and that means it's another opportunity to share Christ's love with our community. Back to school already? I just caught up on my sleep. This year, our goal is to provide school supplies to 140 students at Edison Elementary. Wait, this, this school is just a few blocks from our church. Yep, and we thought this would be another great opportunity to reach out to our neighborhood and show them that we care. Cowabunga! You can help by shopping for school supplies or bring a financial donation to the church by Sunday, August 16th. Here are some friends to show you our most needed items! Small supply box. Erases. Disinfectant wipes. Wide rolled notebook paper. Hand sanitizer. Scissors. No, you know I'd never throw scissors. Pencils. Or you can make a donation and we'll shop for you. We appreciate your support, Backpacks of Blessings, once again this year. But this year, we especially ask for your prayers for a successful and safe school year for all of our students, staff, and community. Thank you so much. Well, good morning, folks. It's good to be with you again. Um, today is a little bit different today. Uh, we have a, a little special for you. Um, first of all, I just want to tell you, I love you and miss you and, and hope that you and your family are doing well and we're praying for you. But today we have a special. The Manning family is going to be doing our communion time together. I'm really excited about that, and I know that you're looking forward to that. So get your communion supplies and everything ready, and uh, they'll be on in just a minute uh, to do that for us today. And I'm thankful for that. But um, in the meantime, we're going to play a song, as we normally do. And then I'll come back and give a message. But uh, again, know that we love you and we sure miss you. Take care. God bless.
Hi, my name is Brett Manning and my family is honored to do the communion this week. I'm here with my wife, Lori, my son, Cam, my son, Kel, and my daughter, Elena. I came across a John Gordon quote. Uh, John Gordon is a is a, an author and a Christian. Uh, I thought it was uh, very fitting for our times. He says that God told Adam and Eve that they could eat from all the trees in the garden except for one. So what did the serpent do? He got them to focus on the one that they couldn't. God calls us to an abundance mindset to see all that we have while evil tries to get us to focus on what we lack. There's a lot of negative things out there and there's a lot of things that we could focus on that what we are, what we are lacking right now in uh, this coronavirus world. And I think it's important that we remember that we are still blessed and we still have an abundance of things that, that we have to be thankful for. Uh, before we take the bread, I'm gonna ask Kel to read some scripture. I will be reading from Mark 14, 22. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when they had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take it, this is my body. Shall we pray? God, thank you for giving your son to us. Thank you for his sacrifice. And we, we pray that you bless the bread that we eat and, and that you uh, continue to, to bless our lives in this way. In Christ's name, amen. Now I'm going to ask Cam to read. I will be reading from Mark 14, 23 through 24. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Shall we pray again? God, again, thank you for, for all of the blessings that we have. Thank you for the life that you have given all of us. And we pray that, that uh, you continue to bless us and that you continue to have us focus on, on the abundance of what we have. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you for... Um, for being with us today and, and you know we pray like everybody that that we will all be together in church soon have a great week
All right. I want to thank the Manning family for doing a great job for us today. Love the family. Just love the whole church family. But certain times and certain things are just real special. And you know, our communion time that we have together is a special time. And I'm so thankful that some of these families are volunteering to help lead us in that. And that's a beautiful thing. I want to talk to you today about first things first, because really that's what we got to keep is first things first. I mean, you get the second thing first, then it's not second anymore, it's first, but you got to keep first things first. So let me tell you a little story as we begin here. The story is told about a lighthouse keeper who worked on a rocky stretch of coastline, of course, and who received just enough oil from one month to the next month, and that was it. Well, this lighthouse wasn't far offshore, and so many people would come by and visit or just stop by. Well, one night, a woman of the village, she begged for some oil for her and her family to to keep them warm. And so he granted her a little oil. And then a gentleman came, and then he asked for something. And a few days later, someone else asked for some. And he felt that all of these things were legitimate causes, of course, and he had a great heart. And so he extended that to them. And toward the end of the month, he noticed that the supply of oil, however, was running low. And soon it was gone, of course, and the beacon of light went out. Well, that night, there were a few shipwrecks, and actually some lives were lost. When the authorities investigated all of this, the man was very repentant, of course. But to all of his excuses and pleading, their reply was quite simple. You were given the oil for one purpose, to keep the light burning for one purpose to keep the light burning and so having read that I thought to myself is what are you doing with the light resource that God has given you now I think that's a really good question to ask of all of us what are you doing what am I doing with the light resource that God has given us to be able to extend that light to the world around us So let's talk about that today. One of the things in our minds today is not only how in the world are we going to get past this pandemic and when will it end, oh Lord, when will it end? But right now, probably because it's August and things are just about to get started back up for the fall season, which we know, is how in the world are we going to get our children back to school We know that it's necessary. We know that it's important. We know that it's important for the education side of things, as well as the social aspect, but also the physical, the emotional, and also the mental aspect of their lives. It's vital for them to be able to have this. We all would agree on that. And I'm sure that you're praying for them, and I'm praying for our teachers and our students and and all the stuff, and as they move through all of this stuff, and the administrators and how they're making decisions. And and the other day, we know we were talking, we were praying for even the, the cooks and the bus drivers and all the other people that are involved in all of that. And I'm sure that you're praying for it as well, but however spiritual, the spiritual aspect, the spiritual portion of their life must be developed as well. And that's where you and I come in. As Christians, we are required from God and by God to make sure that that is passed on to the next generation. He has given us this this beautiful, His beautiful word, but He doesn't want us to keep it to ourselves. He wants us to pass it on to the next generation, to our children and our grandchildren. 
It's required of us, in fact. In fact, the scripture says, and here's several of those for you. In Proverbs 22, it says, start your children off the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. You hang on to that one, don't you? In Psalms 145, it says, one generation commends a next generation and tells of his mighty acts, of all the glory, all the wonderful things that God has done. We are to pass that to the next generation. And then certainly in Deuteronomy chapter 11, it fixed these words of mine on your hearts and your minds. He's telling you and I to make sure that we get in this and get this in our hearts and in our minds as well. But then he goes on there to say, teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at school and talk about them when you're at work and talk about them when you're headed off to, uh, uh, you know, some, some dance recital or if you're off to football or to soccer or whatever it might be, make sure you tell your children about these things. Listen, the truth is someone's going to teach our children about God. And do you want it to be the world that rebukes our God, that rejects our God, resents our God, and curses our God to teach your child about our God, trust me, they will and they are. And they're doing their dead level best, if you will, to try to teach them the opposite of who God is and what God is and what God does and, and how great and mighty our God is. We are to dig deep within our spirits so that anchor deep within our God so that we can be able to pass down to this next generation the truth and no longer lies about our awesome God. You know, the scripture says in Jeremiah 29, 11, and I know that you know that as well, but in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. God has plans for your life. Plans not to harm you. No, 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 no. But to give you hope and a future, he says. Now, now that promise is not only for you and me, but it's for our children and our grandchildren to come. How are we going to display that to them? How are we going to be able to pass that to them in our lives? I want to talk to you about that today and I'll give you three things that you and I can do or are called to do in our lives to make sure that what we know about our awesome God that we can pass on to the next generation so they can also anchor deep in their spiritual walk as well. Because I know that's what you want for your family, isn't it? Isn't that what you want for your children? Sure it is. So let's get started. Number one is to give them purpose. We must know what our purpose is in life. We, everybody's looking for that. What is the purpose in life? Well, we're going to find that out right here real quick. In 2 Timothy, this is a, a scripture that's told, taught there. that it, This is a verse that you don't memorize. You just This is one you don't put to memory. But it's a beautiful passage of Scripture that describes something for you and me. Listen to it as I read for you today. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay in your house. You have things that are real expensive probably. Things that you cherish. And then other things that, eh, it's okay. It's no big deal. The dog chewed on a little bit. It would be okay, right? Watch. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, 
and prepared to do any good works. Now that's a beautiful passage because when you call upon Jesus, when you call upon Jesus as your Savior and you're covered with the blood of Jesus, coming contrary, you're cleansed. And now when that takes place, you move from everyday wear to China. You get it? You were this, but now I'm this because I have something that's special that God sees in me because he's cleaned me up. So that's why in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he talks about that. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your spirit, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then he tells us, and make sure that you teach that to your children. Impress that upon them. Make sure that you're talking about me wherever you go. Why? Because if you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it'll just naturally flow out of you. Children notice that in our lives. This tells us that to present ourselves to Christ... Uh, or present ourselves to our children because we know that we love, they see that we love God. I'll get it out. It's that we are presenting the one that we love, which is Christ, to our children. That's said better, isn't it? Help the kids, help our children to see the purpose in life is a relationship with Jesus Christ must be first. And the best way for that to happen is for you and I to know that first in our life. How you doing with that one? Have you been taking it easy the last few months? Not really displaying that much, talking about this and talking about that, but not talking about Him? It can become very easy, my friend. Let us not forget that Satan is the ruler of darkness of this world. And our children don't know, if our children don't know God's Word and see us striving to do better and to pass on our faith, then trust me, they will, it will be extremely difficult for them to stand when the pressures come on in their life when they're adults. We can and we should and we should take this moment in time that we've gone through these last five, six months now, seven months it looks like, but nonetheless, whatever time it is, well, we should take this time, this moment in time to teach our children that God has not failed us. Oh no, He has not. And that we, that He is growing our faith in the middle of all of this. So that when they have families, when they have families someday, and they go through things in their life, and they will, you know it. Nobody likes to go through stuff, but people go through stuff. And your children, when they get old enough and they have a family of their own, they'll go through something. May they be able to say, you know what? Maybe tell their children or their spouse or, or their friends, you know what? Back in 2020, I remember the pandemic, but I remember my parents. My parents were faithful. They taught me to anchor deep in my faith. And that's what we're going to do right now. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? To hear them to be able to say that. That they're going to glorify God in all things, even in the middle of stuff that they can't understand. Now I know that they can't have our faith. I'm not foolish. But the truth is, our faith in God should be the foundation for them to build upon. Shouldn't it be? A friend of mine told me once this. She said, She's known what the, she has believed for years, 
and she she's had it mixed up all the time. She's known what she's believed all these years, but she's had it mixed up all the time. It's not what she believes, it's in whom she believes. And I love that fact. You see, the truth is you can believe in something that may or may not be true. But when you believe in Jesus, it's all truth. I don't know everything in this book. I can't understand everything in this book. I'm a long way from it. How about you? But I am sure of one thing. I am sure that the one that's talked about in this book is real and his name is Jesus. Give me an amen. Purpose, number one, is purpose. Purpose is to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Then he sets you in place to lift you to special things in life. That's his plan. Number two, teach them about prayer. Teaching our children about prayer is so important. Found in 1 John chapter 5, 14. Prayer can never, listen to me, prayer can never be overstated, but is too often underestimated by the Christian. It can never be overstated, but it is too often, is way too often underestimated by the Christian. That's sad, but it's the truth. Prayer is the lifeline of every Christian. I don't know how you can be a strong Christian without a strong prayer life. It's because it's the connection with God. It's connecting us to the source that we need. You need this active prayer life. How are you doing with yours? Well, I pray every once in a while, or I pray in the morning, or I pray at night. Prayer is, and I've said it before, but prayer is this umbilical cord that connects us from who we are to the life source, which is God Himself. We need that. We need that much in our lives. If you know the story of Hannah found in the Old Testament, Hannah, in 1 Samuel there, you know, she couldn't have a child, and so she prays out to the Lord, and she cries out. At the, the priest is there, Eli, and she's crying out to the Lord, and she wants this child, and if you give me this child, I'll dedicate him back to you, Lord. Now, you know, all of this unfolds there in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And so in verse number 20, it says that she became pregnant and she called him Samuel because I asked the Lord for him. That's what it means, Samuel. And then a little bit later on in verse number 26, it says that she presents Samuel to the priest. At a certain age, she presents him to the priest, Eli, and she says, here, this is the child that I cried for, that God gave me, that I said I would dedicate to him, and here he is. And he will serve you all the days of his life. That was important. Please listen. It is never an accident when a child is raised to honor God. You teach them that. And you can teach them that through prayer, how to pray, so that they can have that connection with God as well. The best way to start is by giving them back to God. That's right. It's giving them back to God. Saying, Lord, they are yours first. Let me fill them with you first, Lord, is my cry. As, as parents, we need to instill that into their lives. But we need to tell them that, you know, God, you're a gift from God. 
God has given me you and we love you but what we're going to do now is we're going to tell you about this awesome God that gave you just you you the special one I told my daughter when she was growing up I used to tell her this all the time you could call her now and ask her but I said if you if if you could line up all the little girls of all the world shoulder to shoulder it wouldn't matter I even if I had to walk all the way around the world I would walk until I found you because God is the one that gave you to me connecting with your children the best way to start that off is to start now if you haven't done that do that now don't spend time with them just when they're little at their bedside praying five little angels at my bed. Pray with them as they go out the door for school this year. Or even as they start their work in the morning if you're going to stay home with them. Or when your grandchildren come. Pray with them. Let them know that you believe in the power of prayer. Let them know. And somebody's saying, well, my children are already grown. Well, every time you talk to them. And you can look on my phone, and every time I text my, uh, my son that lives down in Austin, I will, you know, love you. We're talking about certain things, whatever. Hey, been praying for you, son. Know that God loves you. I love you more. God loves you more. I love you more. I don't know how God could love you more. But letting him know that we're praying for him. His mother and I pray for him all the time. Now, that may seem little, but I, I think there's seeds that are planted. Because I believe down in Texas when things go bad and things aren't working great, I believe that he lays in bed at night as well. And sometimes he looks up to the ceiling and says, yeah, I know you're up there, God. Seeds that are planted make a difference. Keep, keep praying. Prayer. Prayer is oxygen for the soul. Keep breathing, my friend. And finally, number three, is you and I must display Christ in our own life. If not, it's just fake. It's hypocritical. Yo, you got to do this. You got to have that. But we have to display it in our own lives. We shouldn't hide our Christianity. We are to display our Christianity. What's the pattern that you are setting for your children is a question to ask. Are you teaching them honesty and kindness and love and compassion and all the other things? Or what are you teaching them? What type of pattern of life are you displaying before your children? If they are to pick up your habits, will they be the good ones that you find in Christ Jesus? If you asked your child what's the most important thing in your life, what would they say about you? What would they say that's the most important thing in your life? No, no one's perfect, and so don't beat yourself up. If you do, get over it. No one's perfect, but keep in mind, if you follow the perfect one, your reflection for others or to others to see should be more of him and less of you. If your footsteps are seen following Jesus, however, then they will know where they can find you and the God you say you serve. Because they know that you're following Christ, that you're real to the core. In Joshua chapter 24, you know the story there. Joshua stands before the people and he tells them, he says, if you guys want to serve these other foreign gods, you go right ahead. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. 
He was taking a stand and he wasn't ashamed. He wasn't ashamed to tell others. Remember last week I mentioned about David. David wasn't ashamed to talk about his God. No, he wasn't. And Joshua wasn't either and we shouldn't be either. Don't forget to keep first things first in your life. They're important. Let me close up with a couple of things here real quick. Christian author Bob Benson. I like this story. I've used this a few times over the years. Christian author Bob Benson, he tells a story of a time when he was asked to pray at his son's high school graduation. He went out and he bought him a brand new three-piece suit. Man, he wanted to look good standing in front of the people having a prayer at his son's graduation because he was so proud of his son and he wanted his son to be proud of him. After, uh, So he gets up there and he does his prayer and after this school program, one of the high school students came over that knew him and said, Hey, Mr. Benson, I really appreciated your prayer tonight. It was awesome. But you buttoned your vest up, vest up wrong. What, what do you mean? And sure enough, as he looked down, the top button had been buttoned to the one below and so on and so on and so on. And all the way down the vest, it was cockeyed. Huh. How could, this, how could I be so careless to do something like this, he asked. And the young man simply said, oh, it was easy, Mr. Benson. If you get the first button wrong, they all follow each other. He later wrote in one of his books, that's a lot like us Christians, isn't it? Our walk with God. If you don't put first things first, it's really easy to go through life cockeyed. And it is, isn't it? But if you get the first button buttoned up right, then all the other ones and the priorities of life seem to line up the way they should. That's God's plan for us. Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek ye first, not second, seek ye first the kingdom of God. The truth is there are some people, I pray that it's not you, my friend, but there are some people that call themselves Christians that don't seek God first. He's somewhere else down the list. And God said, that's not what I've asked you to do. I've asked you to take and make sure first things are first. If you're trying to pass the baton without God first in your life, your kids will know it. And your life will be cockeyed. There's no doubt. Let me finish with this little one. A group of people watching a sculptor chip away and chisel away, making a statue of Abraham Lincoln. You know, the guy that they're trying to tear, tear down all the statues now, which is ridiculous. But they were chipping away and chiseling away, making a statue of Abraham Lincoln. After a great deal of work, a little boy looked up at his daddy and said, Daddy, Daddy, how did he know that the President Lincoln was inside that block of marble? Hmm. What's inside of your child? What's inside of your grandchild? Is it a president? Is it a salesman? Is it a doctor? Is it a missionary? Is it a preacher? Is it a teacher? Is it a good mother, a good father, good husband, good wife? What? Now, I suppose all those are great. But as you chip away at the life, and life chips away at them, will it be someday displayed the image of Jesus Christ. Because you see, that my friend, then you will know 
first things were first with me. You see, that's what really matters. That Jesus is so far out front that there is no second place. First things, first in my life, first. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to, you know, study your word. Thank you for giving us your word that we can discover your love for us, that we can discover that you gave your son so that we might have life. And Father, as we take you on in our lives, you not only cleanse us, but you fill us with your spirit and you set us in place for special things in this life. Father, may we always follow you. For if we do, those things will be displayed throughout our lives. Help us to grab on to the first things first, which is to keep you first in our lives. Forgive us when we don't do that. Forgive us when we fail to do that. Help us to be the example to the next generation. Help us to be courageous enough to stand on your word and tell the next generation about your glory and all the things that you've done and that you are the one true God and that we love you and that we have faith in you so that they too can build upon that foundation, Father, that you are God. Thank you for loving us that much. Bless our church family. Bless our teachers. Bless our students. Bless our children. Bless our grandchildren. And may we always display your glory to them forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, my friend. Good to be with you again. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.